Full Service Radio is proudly supported and hosted by Simplecast, the easiest way for a podcast creator to publish and distribute audio on the internet. For more information, visit Simplecast.com. Full Service Radio. Welcome back to Beer Me on Full Service Radio, broadcasting live from the Line Hotel in Adams Morgan, Washington, D.C. I'm your host, Sarah Jane. Every week, I will have a different guest on the show to discuss different parts of the beer world, from brewers, importers, educators. This will allow us to examine the dynamic world through different lenses. Whether you're new to beer or a seasoned professional, we will have something for you. So today I'm really, really excited. We have Lauren Duracus in the studio today. She is the Senior National Account Manager for Travel, Sports, and Entertainment for Boston Beer Company. Hi. Hi. Thank you for coming in. It is so good to be here. I'm very excited right now. So before we talk about what you do, because what you do is something that's really fascinating to me, and I think for a lot of our listeners to kind of hear about that side of the beer world would be really outstanding, but let's ease it in, right? We don't just want to jump in the deep end. (laughs) How was your weekend? Are you excited about anything? Drinking anything cool? Yeah, great weekend. It's so fun in the beer world right now. Mm -hmm. It's just as everyone, you know, all my beer drinkers out there know, there's just so much to choose from. Um, we just had a recent merger at Boston Beer with Dogfish Head. Yes, we talked about it on the show earlier, for sure. Huge for us. Um, Sam Calgione, the founder of Dogfish Head, brilliant man. Very excited to have their brands as part of my portfolio. Mm-hmm. And without a doubt, I am having a really good time exploring the all different types of beers that they have to offer. Oh, yeah. They don't just sit around and make the same style over and over and over. They go crazy. They got, so, they got some fun things. So creative. Yeah. So fun. Um, really bringing a lot of excitement to what we're doing at Boston Beer now. And to answer your question, this weekend, um, I really had fun exploring their Super 8, mm. which is a Goza-style beer, as I'm sure many of your listeners know they do really well in the sour beer department mm-hmm. um, with our sequence. Yep. Everyone's probably seen sequence, uh, kind of, was it black limes? And, yep. 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 Exactly. Salt. Salt. And just almost like the margarita of mm-hmm. beers. Yeah. And their super eight is this really cool goes a style beer that has, um, antioxidant berries. There's seven different types of fruits that are antioxidant fruits and then quinoa Mm -hmm. in it and what I thought was so cool about this beer is that it's the perfect level of acidity to develop film okay so you can basically develop through their Kodak super camera they have a partnership with Kodak um, film in the beer so this weekend that was a cool um, that was a cool beer to try Nice. How yeah. does it, as far as like sourness level, how does it compare to sequench? Is it more um, or less? I would say it's definitely on the the more fruit forward side, okay. yeah. which really kind of like masked it mm-hmm. to me a little bit, masked it to me a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but beautiful, like pink, almost um, candy strawberry color. Oh, so really okay. cool beer. Nice. But 
I, I'm just having a field day with our new additions yeah. to the to the company. For sure. No, that's a that's that's amazing. And you know, um, for so long, Boston Beer Company. And for those of you who aren't familiar, you know, Sam Adams was your main bread and butter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thanks for clarifying that. Mm-hmm. I feel like when I tell people what I do and I work for Boston Beer Company there's not always that quick association of Samuel Adams because mm-hmm. um, that's one of a lot of brands in our portfolio now, but really the flagship um, that really started everything that Jim Cook, my founder, did over 35 years ago. Wow. Yeah. That's no, amazing. Yeah. It's a lot, of, a lot of great things that I, I talk about all day, every day in, in my world. So I feel blessed. Yeah. So... All right, so let's dive right in. I was, um, I would like to kind of just break down in the most simple forms what you do because you don't you don't necessarily work directly for Sam Adams. This is a yeah. you work for a distribution company. Can you explain super sim- super simple what distribution company? What does that mean? How does that fit into everything? So we work. So I, I we work with distributors. Distributors. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So um, they are our biggest company or customers, but I, I do work for the brewery okay. for Sam Adams. Okay. Um, but people think all the time for national accounts that mm-hmm. we are on the distributor side because we rely on distributors so much. So to answer your question, um, my role as the senior national account manager mm-hmm. is to work with very big companies that are multi-unit. Um, and, I'll give a couple examples that are really big clients within my world. Mm-hmm. Um, Marriott International, which... Yep, that's not, how we met. Uh, yes, yep. I was, was going to say, I don't know if if you talk about your other side of your world much, how, Sarah. How I actually make money. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but that's okay. um, Sarah works at Marriott International, Sarah Jane. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I feel like they're so lucky to have you now because... Oh, thanks. Obviously, hospitality, food and beverage is such a big piece of that world. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's my job to work with Marriott International, JetBlue, um, SSP America. They they are the concessionaires for airports. I work with companies on bringing in products that are within my portfolio Mm -hmm. and really, one, trying to ensure as much pull through and ensure as many sales as possible. Mm-hmm. And then what I really love is the idea of supporting those customers with beer education. How can we, um, what can we provide for their staff so that they understand the product in and out? Um, features, if you're walking through Midway and you see a really cool food and beer pairing, that might be something that we're doing all across the country in different airports. So it's a really complex role. Yeah. Um, but I, I love it. And, and I like that there's so many different areas within it. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, for sure. And let's talk a little bit about the system itself, the three-tier system. Yes. Um, so that people kind of understand. And yes, for those of you who are really into beer, this is going to be old hat for you. But let's, you know, yeah. let's go through it just for funsies. Super important. Yeah. Um, so basically, the way that it works is we brew beer at our breweries. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people seem to think that it'll go straight from brewery to end unit or to where consumer drinks product. So Bar, restaurant, rest- retail yep. space. Yeah. Exactly. But it's really that middle um, second piece of, of um, the process, mm-hmm. which is the wholesaler distributor that the names are synonymous um, level where you have a company, a distributor, Reyes Distributing is right here in Washington, D.C., mm-hmm. huge distributor um, in, the, in the country. They have tons of brands. Guinness, uh, competitive brands to Sam Adams. Maybe they have Sierra, maybe they have New Belgium. And you have a staff of people that are really going out to the bars, restaurants, that third level and, and helping us get our product out. Because we at Boston Beer, we couldn't possibly be everywhere doing everything. Mm-hmm. So we rely on these distributors to help us get the, you know, the distribution that we have. And they truly are the number one customer of all breweries because they are bringing in the most product and they are getting it out for us and they do a damn good job of it. Yeah. So the, you know, a restaurant in Virginia isn't approaching you to buy a bunch of beer. They're approaching their distributor to buy beer from you. Exactly. Mm-hmm. There might be some restaurants in Virginia who have seen a Boston beer person yeah. So we would call it like our brewery reps that mm-hmm. are feet on the street out there helping the distributors and talking about Sam Adams. But we are not taking the order at mm-hmm. the end of the day. Our job is to just support. Yeah, for sure. And with that, you know, it's there's always that question of, you know, how do you get people to buy more beer? And I love that your first... Uh, explanation of you know how to increase sales is education Mm -hmm. and that's such a huge part of what you all do and that is honestly I still think the best way to promote beer and promote beer sales is education Mm because I think there's a lot of things that you know people either find intimidating or overwhelming about the beer world when in all actuality it's pretty simple so one of the biggest things that we talk about education wise is this idea of optimizing your lineup of beers. Okay. So we have studies that show when people walk into your bar or restaurant, what lineup of beers is going to satisfy the most amount of people. Fascinating. And it's so cool to look at these studies because beer, and I'm sure that you will agree with this. If Mm. not, please tell me a lot of people make emotional decisions when it comes to beers they want to bring in. Yeah. Like, managers or bartenders will say, oh, well, I love that beer. So that's going to sell well. Well, is it? I mean, maybe. No, the very first, (laughs) the very first list I was in charge of at the beginning of it, I was definitely feeling it emotionally. I was definitely being like, well, I love this beer. And I completely shied away from the styles that I didn't really care about. Yeah. And I, I ended up with a very, uh, mismatched, uh, uneven, not as diverse list. Absolutely. And it was, I mean, you know, it's fine, but not, not very good. A large part of my job, especially when you're on the national account level and you're helping somebody to make a decision for 
hundreds of units that mm -hmm. may have a similar lineup is to make sure that whether you're on the East Coast or the West Coast, you're going to have balance within your portfolio. And balance can be as simple as thinking some locals. I need locals, right? Mm -hmm. That's important. Zip code beers. But I also need some lead styles. Do you call them zip code beers? Yeah. I love that. That's such, love that, No, that's perfect. Okay, so you've got local beers, zip code beers. Yeah. I'm stealing that. It's awesome. Mm. Um, and then, you know, beers coming from... Now, are you... You know, let's let's talk about kind of a, let's do like a hypothetical chain. You know, some kind of you know middle higher end chain restaurant that kind of runs throughout the U.S. Yeah, you got zip code beers, but are you saying you know more imports? Are you saying domestic? Yeah, so great question. If we were to look at like what would a standard highly optimized lineup look like? Mm -hmm. First, I'll just say most beer drinkers we forget this in America are light beer drinkers, right? Even yeah. though domestics are declining and they have been for 10 years, light beer drinkers are it. They are the masses. Domestics, this is Bud Light, Miller Light, Thank you. Light, that kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. So if you had one draft line in mm -hmm. your restaurant, just one tap, 50%, that's a lot of people, 50% of people that walk into your restaurant mm -hmm. are already going to be happy with just Bud Light on. Yeah. So no, the, that's true. Yeah. So the other 50% of people that walk in, we're trying to figure out what is going to make them happiest and most satisfied. Mm -hmm. And the survey looks at, to answer your question, having some of those local zip code beers, balancing it out with some national crafts. So the, you know, it, the big boys could be Sierra, the New Belgians, the Sam Adams of the world. And then an import would definitely play in that space. Um, Stella is a... Heineken. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, Stella's probably the number one beer on premise by some of the reports that we see out there. Mm -hmm. So imports definitely play. And then, believe it or not, when you're at... After you've hit eight taps, after eight taps, you can throw on some fun alternatives, like a cider. Yeah, and from there, it's just, again, balancing it out. So we love looking at, because the beer world is changing so much, and there's entrance all the time, and then closures all the time, where do we find that balance? Yeah. So... Now, for those of you just tuning in, I'm talking with Lauren Duraka. She's the Senior National Account Manager for Travel, Sports, and Entertainment with Boston Beer Company. So we were talking about having balance within a beer list as far as location goes, but you also have to consider style. Yeah. And I think that this is where, um, especially Sam Adams has a real advantage in that there are a lot of different kinds of styles that you encounter. Oh, yeah. And I then mean, especially with the merger with Boston, I mean, with uh, Dogfish. Uh, Dogfish Head, with Boston Beer Company, with, <laughs> with Dogfish Head, um, you've got even more kind of this really wide, fun, funky styles to choose from. I mean, you've, of course, you have their benchmark, you know, 60-minute IPA and that kind of thing, but you've got a lot of other things to work with. I, I hate to admit mm -hmm. that Sam Adams had an... I won't call it an issue, but we were lacking a lot of good IPAs for some time. Mm -hmm. We had a few that we dabbled with, and we've got our New England, which is a hazy IPA out there. Phenomenal. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah. Um, but Dogfish has brought mm -hmm. such 
I mean, IPAs are their thing, right? And I'm still learning so much about mm-hmm. dogfish, but they're 60, they're 90. I mean, we're bringing some of the best-selling IPAs in the country into our world now. Yeah. So I'm, I'm just really excited to talk about it. Um, I just learned, actually, since we're chatting IPAs, mm-hmm. that Sam Calgione, again, the founder of Dogfish Head, is, is able to present in the Smithsonian in the near future. Yeah. Did you read this? Yeah, they're doing the um, History Weekend, the Food History Weekend, and they're doing the After Hours. They did this last year. They had a great panel. Yeah. um, And he's going to be on the panel this year. You're super in the know. I love it. He is presenting his... um, It's one of those moving football boards that he Mm -hmm. used, and it was the way that he originally created a continually hopped IPA he would pour the hops. If Sarah Jane is watching me with my hands right now, yeah, yeah. <laughs> try to um, talk about how the hops would fall down this football game. If you guys know what I'm talking about, where you manipulate, like you move the players. Um, mm-hmm. And that board is going to be in the Smithsonian. How he can talk about how he just came up with this cool idea of continually hopping an IPA. Yeah. And really was the first to do it. Yeah, and so, they've got um, Charlie Papazian's uh, homebrewing spoon, and they've got a bunch of. Oh, really is that cool... right? So you yeah, know more than I do. So yeah, well, it's I'm not that special. It's because Teresa McCullough came you on the show. You are that special. <laughs> <laughs> Teresa McCullough came on the show, and and she's heading up that initiative and doing a lot of that research um, and building out, which will hopefully be a really, really, really um, big, awesome collection of the American homebrewing story and the American brewing story. Cool. Um, so I'm, I'm so excited for this year. I think it's uh, November. Oh, she's going to kill me if she hears this. Um, <laughs> it's going to be uh, November 8th. Um, yeah, it's called uh, Last Call uh, Brewing History After Hours, and tickets are for sale. Um, and then also check out the Food History Weekend, um, they've got some great panel discussions. Um, a lot of the former winners of the Julia Child Award are going to be doing a panel discussion, wow. which I'm pretty jazzed about. But yeah, definitely that panel discussion is going to be pretty amazing. You're like so up on the beer events. I, and I love that about you because you just came from GABF, didn't you? No, I missed GABF. I oh, went to Shelton Festival. That's right. That's yeah, right. Shelton Festival in, in uh, Buffalo, New York. And we did a, we did a whole episode... Uh, just recently, all about beer festivals. And last weekend was Snallagaster. In D.C.? In D.C., which was amazing. Every year they keep getting better and better. It's absolutely so phenomenal. It's Instead of being down in Navy Yard, not that there's anything wrong with Navy Yard, but they're right down on Pennsylvania Avenue. It's such a beautiful location. They used to do this thing with called Snally Bucks, where you get a certain number of tickets, and you kind of have to do a lot of math to figure out which beer you'd want. Oh. Now it's Unlimited Pours. And you can it's just try everything. And they, and they source all these amazing, amazing beers. Uh, Greg Angert, the director of um, the beer director of Neighborhood Restaurant Group. Yeah, I was going to say, I know that name. Yeah. <laughs> Every, everybody in beer knows that name. Um, but he brings in a lot of beers, uh, direct import, because we can do that in D.C. Yeah. Um, and just had some amazing, amazing beers. I mean, they, were, they had these, like, kind of... Uh, just these styles that you otherwise would never be able to get. Um, yeah. And there were a lot of beers. There were 30 breweries that have never poured at Snallagaster, and for a lot of them, it was their first time pouring in D.C., so that's wow. really cool. That's awesome to kind of gather that many different styles and varieties. I think what's really been interesting, because 
breweries and, and beer events have become so big now mm-hmm. that I think that was a big reason behind them doing the seal for craft beer, like the Craft oh. Brewers Association seal, because I just think in general, consumers are so much more interested in like, if I'm trying a beer and mm-hmm. I'm buying a beer, like where's my money going? Like you see all these different brands at festivals and it's like, are they really a local beer? Like, are they part of Anheuser-Busch? Are they part of Miller Coors? Like people are just so much more in the know about beer now. Cause I mm-hmm. think with festivals, like it's just more in their face. Oh yeah. And, and you've also, you do have to be choosy about festivals as far as, you know, how is it being curated? Yeah. You know, and I think that variety, as we were talking about, comes into play that balance. You yeah. Know? You've got to have a lot of different kinds. Um, I did a, a, I was talking about the Snallagaster, actually, and it was funny because I actually went through, there was a list of about 400 beers that were being poured. So, the, yeah, there were 400 wow. beers. It's a massive list. So I was going through the list. I think I still have the numbers. But there were um, 100 hazy IPA styles. There were 110 sour beers with adjuncts and there were 55 beers that were stout barrel aged beers with an, or, you know, a stout with an adjunct. Um, so I think it was cool that the selection of beers, even though you had breweries from all over the world and all over the country pouring, they reflected the trends as far as what is what is hot right now which was kind of cool and of course I mean yes if you dug a little bit you found some great pilsners you found slow pour pilsners and and things like that so I was pretty happy with that um all right so we got chatting and went off on a tangent a little we're gonna no it's good it's good we're gonna take a quick break um and we'll be right back uh here on beer me on full service radio at the line hotel Welcome back to Beer Me on Full Service Radio, recording live at the Line Hotel in Adams Morgan, Washington, D.C. I'm your host, Sarah Jane. On the show today, we have Lauren Duraka. She is the Senior National Account Manager for Travel, Sports, and Entertainment uh, for Boston Beer Company. I got, that break song was so good. For, <laughs> Wait, I for, didn't know if that's something you do no, always. No, no, no. We always have songs during the break, but I mean, so Jack Inslee here, uh, founder of full service radio uh is a very very talented dj and it's like you picked the perfect song i love it for rainy the day sunday rainy day sunday it was so perfect who, who was a, a producer named keto um he actually used to work with me at heritage radio really cool kid yeah um, we were jamming yeah that was yeah. awesome that was so perfect and um, all the music that's featured um here on the radio is you know either local or yeah, I'm, we're very spoiled here. I love it. I was into awesome. it. <laughs> so I want to talk, we were talking about um, beer festivals and, and, you know, what's going on with that and also your job and what kind of goes into that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I want to talk a little bit about how um, your world is changing a little as far as, you know, we, we're talking about what the kids are drinking these days, mm-hmm. hazy IPAs, fruited sours, all that kind of stuff, pastry stouts. But... Your world is changing even more so. You're 
previous life was all around Sam Adams Lager. Yep. And now, very different. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, I think that's what keeps, one, my job fun, mm-hmm. is that the only thing that's constant is change, right? <laughs> so you got to be up on what are the trends, what's hot right now. I think it's a li- it, it kind of keeps me up at night sometimes what's going on with, with the trends and millennials in regards to people are drinking a lot less. Yeah. And they're drinking differently. Um, you know, when, when I think back to my days in college, mm-hmm. um, and then I talk to some of my younger cousins that are in college, non-alk non beers are hotter and growing than I feel like ever before. Yeah. And, and it, it's, it's real. It's happening where people are just drinking differently. Um, I also, you know, those buzzwords, health and wellness, mm-hmm. um, I, I think that that is also very real. And I think it's bigger than ever. Um, I, I present to my, my customers this, this slide that I stole from our founder, and it's my favorite slide, and I've been showing it for 10 years. And I'll just very quickly describe it for you, because I think it does a really good job of describing exactly what we're talking about right now. And it's a picture of a bucket, and the bucket has holes in the bottom of it. And you can kind of see where, where liquid is pouring out from the bucket. And I want you to envision that this bucket is filled with light beer. Mm-hmm. So for the longest time, light beer was, was it. It yeah. was everything. And now light beer is sort of dying. And it's being essentially taken over. These, these holes in the bucket are going into different categories. It could be a beer alternatives. It might be hard seltzers. Mm-hmm. It might be cider, which had a really big growth period over the last five years. Um, it could be craft, which is taking, you know, it's all these things that are taking away from light beer. And I think the biggest takeaway for me from this slide is that it's just, you have to understand sort of where these drinkers are going. It's not right. It's not wrong. It Mm -mm. just is. Yeah. No, for sure. For sure. Um, you know, and, and I think your portfolio is diverse enough to, you know, kind of weather any change and shift and things like that. And I think also, you know, the culture um, that you're a part of is uh, one that is, you know, not so stuck in their ways, right? I feel like you come from a dynamic culture. Oh, you mean at Boston Beer? Yeah, at Boston Beer. Oh my gosh, yes. Um, So much so that if we see a trend, like one that comes to mind when you just said that was Mm -hmm. like, hard root beer do we all remember like yes how long ago was that two years ago three years ago when not your father's and like yeah just hard root beer was like it right and we like jumped on that that wagon for like a short stint because we have an amazing team of people and we have a fantastic brewery and we have funding to make things happen very quickly Mm -hmm. and then move to market with it um sometimes it could be a fault, right? Because we want to play and we jump real fast and we roll and we go. And sometimes things fade, like that example I just provided to you. But I think we that's actually one of our biggest strengths is that we're nimble. We work fast. We're constantly thinking ahead. Yeah. And I do think that in order to survive, like you have to stay relevant in that sense. 
Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think there's a difference between kind of like kind of constantly playing catch up on the trends and then mm-hmm. trying to be the ones that catch it or start it even, you know, before it gets going. Yeah. So I'm I'm really excited with the merger. First off, the the one thing that came to mind was like how awesome are those meetings between the two of them, right? <laughs> like getting getting those two founders in a room. I just came back from Boston a month ago. We had our national meeting. Okay. So that's where we pulled together for the first time ever all of the Boston Beer employees um, mm-hmm. and then all of the Dogfish Head employees. Now, mind you, we are definitely a much bigger company. So to give you an idea on my team of national account managers, there's probably, I'll use easy numbers, 40 people. Wow. Whereas at Dogfish Head, in regards to just national accounts, there was one individual. Oh my gosh. So it's just really interesting when you think about like where people want to invest their funds in their, in their, in their time. Mm-hmm. So my founder, Jim Cook, has always said, people are number one. I invest in my people. I will train my people. And that's super important. So combining forces, Dogfish had had a lot more people to learn, but we had a ball because the cultures are so similar. And the founders, Jim Cook and Sam Calgione, both just come from the mindset of we make damn good beer, we hire damn good people, and let's go to market with the best beer in America. Yeah. And that's what we were all like charged up and ready to do leaving that room. That's amazing. So yes, I, I totally think culture is like number one for us and a big part of why I've been at Boston beer for 10 years. Oh yeah, for sure. You know, we've, we've done a couple shows and I talk a lot about the culture that is built within an organization. It's really, really important to me. And it's also really fascinating to see that, uh, breweries, you know, breweries are not known for, I'm going to go work at a brewery and make a lot of money. Right. Yeah. So they have to make up for it a little bit with some cool perks. Um, Absolutely. I mean, I get free beer, girl. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But breweries are getting really creative with it. Um, They're doing some really exciting things, and a lot of them focus on, you know, fitness and and that kind of stuff. I think uh, Main Beer Company, they have, like, a bowling league that they do, and there are other companies that do, um, who was it? Allagash does a uh, Pinewood Derby race every year. So uh, with Boy Scouts, they they do uh, those little Pinewood race cars that you build oh, yourself. Yeah. yeah, I know so exactly what you're talking about. Everybody uh, from different, you know, parts of the organization builds their own little Pinewood Derby and they have a Pinewood Derby I love it. thing. And then they get this like hilarious trophy and this like jacket or something. I don't know. But it's but it's like a cutesy They're, thing that they do. It's fun that, and it, it's team yeah. building essentially exactly. and it, at its finest. Yeah. yeah. And I think a lot of it, you know, comes down to bragging rights and that kind of thing. But I love, you know, I love to kind of hear about those little quirky things. Do you guys do any kind of fun... Or is there like a, every, every year I, you guys yeah. do something? So the first thing that comes to mind is at this national meeting, mm-hmm. every year we've done Beer Jeopardy. Oh. So we break up into teams um, and like national accounts would be its own team. And mm-hmm. we all dress in costume in whatever makes sense in that moment. So for this year's costume, we sort of had a nod 
to Dogfish and we dressed up like hippies <laughs> for their Grateful Dead collaboration beer. Oh, okay. Um, which we thought was really cool. Dogfish is really good at collaboration type stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so we dress up like hippies and then in front of the whole company, we have finalists that essentially go on stage and they're being asked, you know, real great educational questions about beer and chiming in. Like we've got the whole Jeopardy screen. I mean, the only thing we're missing is Alex Trebek. So (laughs) it's just really cool that we do this every year. And it's sort of this tradition that everyone looks forward to. Like a fun team building thing. That's amazing. Well, thank you so much for coming by and chatting about beer and chatting about your amazing job. Yeah. It was so cool to be here. I, I just wish people could see your setup. It's, it's gorgeous. Yeah. I mean, I always tell people, come check out the Line Hotel. It's absolutely stunning. All the restaurants here are amazing. And, you know, you can press your face up against the door of the studio and make faces at me. Yeah. So, I mean, what a golden opportunity for anybody, <laughs> right? Um, well, thank you so much. I appreciate you, you coming in on a rainy Sunday. Um, for those of you listening, as always, thank you. This has been Beer Me on Full Service Radio, recorded live at the Lion Hotel. I'm your host, Sarah Jane. Any questions, comments, concerns, feel free to reach out to me on social media at Beer Me Radio or directly via email, beermeradio at gmail.com. Um, you can catch our podcast wherever you get your podcast normally. I just ask that you rate us kindly. Thank you all very much. I'll see you next week. Cheers. Goodbye.